This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hockey fans, I'm Paul Bruton here with Andrew Fiorentino, and we are the great ones. Today, it's March 31st, 2016, our 24th episode, Andrew. We're winding up our first season, and uh, still, there are a bunch of players that, that look like they're primed for a big finish. We've only got six games, six or seven games for most teams, so there's some factors to consider uh, and some players to look at that might help Pooleys in uh, the playoffs and the stretch run of their leagues. Yeah, it seems like the season just started yesterday. It's, uh, it seems like this is still one of our first podcasts. We're 24 deep, two dozen. Hopefully we sound a little bit better than we did at the beginning of the, of the spiel. But, no, we uh, sound worse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't agree with that opinion. We're not supposed to agree on everything. I just anyway. like to give it to myself. And... <laughs> I'm my biggest fan, so i got to be good. I uh, can't be everyone's uh, harshest critic without being my own, too. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a look at several players. Uh, I came up with a list of players. I want your reaction to players who I think are primed for a big finish the rest of the year, given the situations that they find themselves in. I mentioned Brian, I'll mention Brian Elliott off the top. Surely he's owned in a lot of leagues out there, Andrew, but he's in a two-headed goalie situation, and I think he's going to have the big edge going into the last few games because St. Louis needs these games in a big way, and he, he has the hot hand. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, Elliott's been fantastic lately. Uh, four straight wins. Uh, he's only given up one goal in that span, which is uh, about as good as it gets. And uh, it helps him that aside from his uh, recent shutout, uh, Jake Allen really hasn't been playing that well uh, leading up to you know the, this current period of time, uh, especially after he came back from the, his IR stint. So, uh, yeah, I think Elliott's in a great situation right now. And I got to give some love to a former Leaf who was uh, finding life out on the left coast to his liking. That's James Reimer. He's got two shutouts uh, among four victories in, in six starts. 
playing lights out for the Sharks and throwing some doubt into their playoff plans. Their head coach, Peter DeBoer, has even come out and said he's not sure he's going to start at the beginning of the playoffs. And that means to me that, that both goalies are going to get a split of the remaining games. So don't uh, shy away from plugging in James Reimer when he gets to start the rest of this regular season. Yeah, incredibly, uh, in, in six games that Reimer has played since coming over to San Jose, I played FanDuel on one of those nights, and it was the one where he gave five goals, oh, oh. <laughs> of course. Oh, no. A bad save percentage that night. I think he only stopped 16 shots, too. That's right. Uh, but otherwise, he's been fantastic. Uh, really, uh, the answer to the backup situation out there in San Jose, they got rid of Alex Stalock, who's a, you know, nothing. And they got Reimer here, who they could feel good about plugging in if Martin Jones is uh, you know a little tired, a little off. Uh, and they feel that he'll, you know, give them a, a reliable performance in net, which he has been had been doing uh, in Toronto for the last few years. Now, just to back up for a step, a lot of these players are marginally owned in in uh, a lot of the pools out there, and that's why we want to try and va- find value in certain places. And the next name up on the list that I have is Matt Murray in Pittsburgh. Andrew, uh, the Penguins a couple of weeks ago they were not assured of a playoff spot, so they leaned heavily on um, on uh, Mark Andre Fleury. But now that they can afford to take the the foot off the gas a little bit. I expect to see a little bit of Murray the rest of the way. Do you? And I think it's still the, the Penguins are still not totally secure in there. I mean, uh, there's certainly uh, seating seating to be answered uh, in terms of where they're going to end up, who they're going to play in the first round. So I don't know how much Murray you're going to see, but when he's out there, he's a great uh, daily play because he tends to be uh, ridiculously underpriced uh, for having that team in front of him. Yeah, and there's another guy who's probably at the bottom of the totem pole around the league in terms of pricing, and that's J.F. Berube on the island. He was pressed into duty most recently. A strange situation on the with the Islanders all year long, Andrew. They've carried three goalies, and Berube only appeared in a, in a handful of games for the first three quarters of the season. But he's got three starts since the beginning, the middle of March, I should say, because their starter, Yarrow Halak, is out the rest of the year. And he's fared quite well. He's picked up two wins and an overtime loss. While Thomas Grice has struggled, he, he snapped a four-game losing streak recently. But uh, I think we'll see a little bit of Berube down the stretch. Yeah, Grice has been uh, kind of regressing to the mean, uh, showing that he's not really an everyday type goalie, not a guy the Islanders can roll out there every single night. Uh, and Berube has, for his part, shown very well in his limited action. I think that he's definitely going to see a couple more starts. Then we turn our attention. So that's the goalie picks. There's several good options out there for, for Pulis on, on those nights when these guys are starting. But let's take a look at some of the defensemen out there. We've highlighted four of them that we can bring to our listeners' attention. And we'll begin in Pittsburgh again. Trevor Daly. This guy was brought in, Andrew, uh, to shore up some offensive needs from the blue line that aren't named Chris Letang. And so he, he didn't deliver the goods for most of the season, but he's come on strong of late, and he's getting top power play minutes uh, and a uh, regular shift with uh, one of the two scoring lines on a regular basis. Had a great month of March, and is really starting to look like that offensive uh, punch that, that they thought they were getting when they made the deal to acquire in the first place. Yes, a 16-goal outburst from Daly in his age 30 season last year. We all figured he was going to fall back, but... Six points in 29 with Chicago, and they traded him, shipped him off to Pittsburgh, where he got off to a pretty slow start there, only 14 points in the first uh, 41 games that he played with Pittsburgh, uh, a half a season worth of games. But over these last six, he's uh, he's clipping along at a point-per-game pace. His minutes are up. His power play time is up. Uh, yeah, Good signs right now from Trevor Daly. And then another guy in Minnesota, they have – 
six defensemen that they've kind of mixed and match all season long. There's not really a dominant one that's emerged. But right now, Jared Spurgeon is on the top pairing and in the top power play unit. And he's got a big-time shot from the point, a smallish guy in stature, but he can deliver the payload, and he's done so with great regularity. Maybe the best uh, stretch of uh, getting the shots on the net this season that we've seen from him, and uh, full value for what he's done of late, putting up some points as well. Yeah, Spurgeon's been a, a weird kind of defenseman these last two years because you don't usually see uh, blue liners go out and score you know, nine goals last year, 11 goals this year. And then only have uh, 16, or in the case of this year, 18 assists to go with it. A uh, very strange uh, point balance for Spurgeon, especially considering that he doesn't really take a whole lot of shots to have such a, a high number of goals. So I don't know if there's a little bit of uh, fortunate luck there. Uh, it's good for him that he gets you know, his consistent power play time, has always been uh, contributing most of his points, or uh, a good share of his points on the power play, 13 out of the 29 this year. Now, closer to home, you've been getting a good look at uh, Radko Gudas. He's kind of a second, third-pairing guy in Philadelphia. But soon he's become a fan favorite just because he plays the, the game that uh, the Flyers like to play, a tough physical game. But he's getting more and more shots on goal. He's got at least three shots on goal in his last five games. That counts for something in, in uh, FanDuel, and we'll be getting into our picks in a little bit. But good value there, and he's starting to also get a few points, more than we're used to seeing with three goals in his last uh, nine starts, it looks like. So uh, that's far and away uh, better than what he's done all season long. I wonder if we're seeing a new Radko Gudis, or is this, this just lightning in a bottle? Yeah, he's been uh, really, really Gudis. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we got to put back. a drum roll in on that one. Yeah, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll throw, some in, throw something in in post there. But no, I actually won't. Uh, what you're hearing right now is what you're going to hear. <laughs> uh, but Gudis, yeah, the last, uh, go back to the last 13 games, got eight points. More impressively, uh, you know, as you uh, got at 37 shots in that span, uh, almost three shots a game. Uh, anytime, uh, in my view, that you see a defenseman start putting more pucks to the net, that's a good sign, and especially if you play in a league that, that counts hits and PIM, this guy's already owned. Uh, any points you get are a bonus, but it looks like he could develop into a, a decent uh, low-end uh, you know, points and PIM guy uh, who could give you maybe uh, 25 points next year. And uh, we'll finish up on the defense side with a look at a guy who's in Anaheim, and he's probably the healthiest of a, a bunch of defensemen that are on uh, dealing with injuries at the moment, three guys actually out of the lineup who are normally part of their starting six has bumped Hampus Lindholm into a top pairing situation. He's got 28 points on the season, but a good chunk of those has come, have come in the last 10 games as well. As he's seen more time on the power play and more minutes on a regular shift, he's got a couple of goals and, and about four or five assists in his last 10 games, looking like good, a good value play down the stretch because I don't think uh, there's going to be a big price tag on this guy when you have other options out there. Yeah, well, you know, it's amazing with Lindholm because he was one of the plus-minus kings his first two seasons in the league. And this year, he's riding a negative rating uh, well into you know, most of the season. Uh, only over the last uh, 11 games has he really uh, pushed his uh, plus-minus into the positive area. But yeah, uh, surprising kind of to see this uh, sort of offensive production that we've seen from Lindholm, although he's he's a pedigree guy. But uh, he's, he's really seen uh, a nice bump in shots on goal this year. Uh, again, always a, a good indicator for a defenseman. And uh, let's move up to the front lines where we've seen several changes and circumstances that we'll touch on in a couple of these players. But let's begin with Scott Bugstead. Uh, Nick. Uh, let's begin with his son, Nick Bugstead. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nick Bugstead for the Florida Panthers has just been dumped up to a second-line role. He finished last season as his top six forward, Andrew, but this year he hasn't had that, uh, that chance until now with injuries along the, the forward ranks in, in Florida. But he's going to get plugged into that second line, playing with a, guy, uh, a couple of guys that have had good seasons there too. So I look for this to be a really strong value play down the stretch. He's a big center. Uh, who likes to play in the offensive end, and I think he's going to get a, a good chance to finish uh, strong. Uh, what about you? Yeah, it's a, it was a big loss for the Panthers to to lose Vince Trocheck out of that second-line center role. He's really been a revelation this breakout season he's had this year, uh, 53 points before suffering an injury that's going to knock him out for the rest of the regular season. But the good news is that they've got Bukestad in there to plug in, uh, You know, a former first-round pick in his own right, uh, who hasn't really lived up to that potential, but certainly has it in spades. And uh, good to see him seeing ice time down the stretch. Uh, this makes for a nice DFS play and, uh, and a, a quiet snag off the wire in uh, shallower formats. And, Andrew, closer to home for me, we were musing about the fact that Nazem Kadri may have had the, the, the smallest, the lowest shooting percentage over the first half of the NHL that we could have projected for any top six forward. He was around 3 or 4%. He's got, seen a spike in that. Recently, he's got a couple of big games in his last four outings, and he's playing with a ton of confidence. It seems like he's a new player. They've infused the lineup with a lot of young young talent that has really uh, improved the whole Leaf outlook, and, and Kadri's right at the center of it. So I think he's a guy who's chasing after career highs and, and again, comes in as a good value play, particularly when you consider he loves to pile up the shots on goal, and right now more than a few of them are going in. Yeah, the problem for me with Cadre is that even when he's going well, he's been brutally inconsistent. Yeah. You look at the last 14 games, he has nine points. All right, that's not bad. All of those points have come in three games. <laughs> so if you pick him on the right night, you're going to be in for a bonanza. That's yeah, uh, the classic boomer bust scenario. Uh, you know, not a bad matchup tonight, at least. Uh, you can look at that. Uh, but you know, trip to Buffalo. Uh, that's a team rolling out a you know a backup goaltender. That's uh, you know not a terribly defensively responsible team. Could be a goal scored on both sides of that matchup, as we'll probably uh, discuss a little later. Yes, we will. The house of horrors for the Maple Leafs, though. I'll touch on that as well. Then uh, the next forward that I want to take a look at is uh, Jamie McGinn in San Jose. This guy, for the most part, has been a third-line player in the last few seasons, but he's got a glorious opportunity, and he's made the most of it with uh, with San Jose most recently. And uh, Anaheim. I'm sorry, Anaheim, uh, as a top six forward. And uh, he's got top six minutes with some really talented players, including one Corey Perry, who uh, was helping him look very good. And he's produced his first 20-goal season when you mix and match what he's done with the two teams he's played with all season long. So I think that's an interesting value play for a team that's going to be playing games of significance and counting on him to do his part. Yeah, McGinn's been a, a regular DFS choice for me since uh, he moved over to Anaheim and uh, anyone else who's been plugging him in has uh, certainly been rewarded to the tune of uh, 12 points in his first 15 games with the Ducks. Nine of those in the last eight, including uh, six goals. So yeah, uh, it's, it's a you know a credit to, to having great line mates uh, who can get you the puck and who are uh, really rolling well on a, on a defensively responsible team. Plays a tight game uh, in in all aspects. And uh, a guy that's uh, in a similar circumstance but surrounded by offensive talents is Nick Bonino. When, uh, when Evgeny Malkin went down with an injury and the Penguins were flirting with disaster in terms of their postseason outlook, 
I was concerned about how this would turn out, but Bonino has been a godsend and a really nice fit, kind of in the cadre mold that you highlighted a few uh, minutes ago with the fact that he's kind of produced in some games, gone silent in others. He had a five-point game last week with a plus four against Detroit in a very critical matchup, but he has uh, been a key part of uh, stabilizing things in Pittsburgh and pointing this team solidly toward a playoff finish. Yeah, I think if you're looking to Benino for multi-point games, like uh, like that five-point blow-up, uh, you're going to be disappointed. But there should be some steady points uh, coming in down the stretch. That second line that they've crafted of uh, Benino with Carl Hagelin and Phil Kessel has really clicked, uh, especially uh, Hagelin and Kessel with the speed, Benino with the puck distribution. Uh, it's really all working. And uh, in Minnesota, they need things to continue working. They're, this is a team that's on the cusp of playoff participation, and they need some of their signature players to really continue to step up. One of those is Nino Nieder, writer Andrew. He was a guy that we projected as a top six forward. He's flirted with that, and right now he's playing on a third line, but getting some second line looks as well. And he's produced a little bit more than than he had during the course of the season with a nice month of March, and is a guy that they'll look to in games that really mean all or nothing uh, the rest of the way. Yeah, Niederreiter was one of those guys that I was, you know, when you looked at the the 2010 draft, that he was one of those guys outside of the first couple of picks that I was really excited about, that I thought would really make a, a great NHL career out for himself. And, uh, you know, to this point, it's just been good. Uh, you know, uh, Ryan Johansson picked ahead of him, has had much more success. Uh, even guys picked behind him, like uh, Jeff Skinner, have had a lot more success. Vladimir Tarasenko, a, a very noteworthy one. Uh, picked after Nito Niederreiter. Some regret there for the Islanders. Perhaps uh, they didn't exactly get uh, full value when they traded Nino away either. But uh, he is playing well lately. Uh, he's cleared 40 points, uh, cleared 20 goals for the second consecutive season, been scoring a ton of goals of late. Uh, might as well roll him out while he's hot. He's he's working uh, despite the fairly limited minutes uh, playing on that third line. Uh, next guy, next name I'm going to throw out is more of a situation for keeper leagues because the Oilers have only three games left, uh, if I remember correctly. And I look to the wings on uh, the Connor McDavid line. It looks like Patrick Maroon has found a home on, on one side. And that's an interesting uh, addition there because I remember last year in the playoffs and late in the season when Maroon was playing on the big line in Anaheim, he had great success playing with those guys. And if he can stick to it within the, on the McDavid the port side, He's going to look very good, and he's going to pile up his share of points. Like I said, only three games this year, but a good stash candidate. If you've got a keeper league that floats into next year, and he might be a guy that can keep below the line and uh, sneak through uh, uh, into your lineups next season because I think it's a great fit. They need a guy to protect him in the same way that guys protected one certain number 99 years ago in Edmonton. Yeah, the, the thing is, Maroon has, over the course of these last few seasons, found his way up to that line with uh, with Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff back when he was in Anaheim. But he always lost his way off that yeah. line eventually, too. And I feel like that's what you're going to do. What's going to happen again? You can't bank on him skating on a line with McDavid. So uh, I wouldn't overrate the performance uh, if we're talking about next year's value. But for the rest of this year, I don't see any reason for them to change that arrangement. And that leaves Maroon with a, a nice. Uh, fantasy opportunity down the stretch. And uh, the last guy is a guy who's capitalizing on the fact that his brother left town, and that's Jordan Stahl with Eric's departure. Jordan now is the number one center in Carolina, and uh, most recently he's been rejoined on the top power play unit by Justin Falk, which means uh, that becomes a much more dynamic operation. And I see Stahl with an opportunity to, to 
parlay those first-line minutes and first-line power play opportunities into a nice finish for himself. He's already uh, counted the best uh, season of his career in Cal- Carolina with what he's done to date, and I, has, I have a feeling he's got a chance to finish strongly there too. He's been putting up uh, steady but uninteresting points. Uh, no multi-point games for Jordan Stahl since way back on February 19th. So a little bit of a weak spot as far as that's concerned, but you got to like uh, the consistency with which he's been in the point column lately. That's for the last six games. And uh, the FanDuel read, my friend. You want to talk about FanDuel? Want to have a little uh, FanDuel conversation? We can have a little FanDuel conversation. We can talk a little FanDuel. <laughs> you can tell people about how they can go to FanDuel.com. They can play one-day fantasy sports for real money. You can tell them that building a team is easy. Tell them that they can just pick their players, stand in the salary cap, sit back, watch your team win. You can tell them the entry fees start at just $1. And there are free rolls, too. Anyone can play. <laughs> Lovely, and we do a lot. And uh, I've got to tell you, I've really enjoyed playing FanDuel. And every once in a while, they send me a message: "This game's on us." And they put another couple of bucks in my account and say, "Have it, have at it." And uh, so some of the perks include that, and they also I wish include, I got those perks. I'm not getting and, those perks. I am. I, they must like me better than you. Oh man! But uh, the other thing that they do also is they invite you to refer friends. So oh, yeah. don't be shy about that aspect at all as well. And I've taken advantage in that, that in that way as well. So if, if you'd like to be referred by us, you can go to FanDuel.com, click the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, and use our code RWPOD to sign up now. There's a special offer for new users. Uh, you get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $25 deposit on FanDuel with our promo code RWPOD. It's over $60 in value for just $25. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into it. All right. You lead the way. Usually I look for value and goal. That's what I I always try to do, try to save money and goal so I can roll out more expensive skaters. And I just looked down the list today, and it was not working for me. And so I I went a little more expensive. I went and spent my money on 9600 on Henrik Lundqvist. And uh, it's the homer pick. One of three guys wearing Rangers jerseys in my lineup tonight, although one of them doesn't play for the Rangers anymore. Uh-oh. <laughs> now they haven't seen it. Can't expect them to change the picture so soon, right? <laughs> but uh, I will say, looking down the list, there's one other guy that I'm interested in, and I'll be interested to hear who you've got in your lineup, and that's uh, Devin Dubnik. Bingo. Been, yeah, that's, that's the other one, right? <laughs> it's got to be one of the two, and Dubnik has been white hot lately with six straight wins. Uh, gets a, a flailing Ottawa team with a, a bit of an injured Mark Stone. Uh, and uh, he's got a, a home matchup. It's always tough for teams to come into Minnesota and come away with a win. So I like I'll let the, you pimp Dubnik a little more if you like. I like the pick because it jumped off the page. Ottawa played last night. They also got mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. So there's a bit of a Debbie Downer situation in the dressing room. And uh, Minnesota's a, a real tough out on home ice. And Dubnik, as you said, has been playing very, very well. He's not nearly the top uh, pick on the goalie scoreboard, but uh, he's up there, and he costs 8800 bucks. So he didn't come in cheap either, but I, it leaves me with a little bit more flexibility than oh, you, I think. That little 800 is nice. Yeah. Uh, the one nice thing about Lundqvist, uh, career versus Carolina, 23-9-1 with a 2.03 goals against the 929 save percentage and a pair of shutouts. So uh, he's been kind of cold lately. That's the one thing that makes me a little hesitant, but he does have a good history against the Hurricanes, who are also just buried in the standings. Exactly. What about, uh, where do you want to go next? 
Uh, might as well uh, stick to the guys who are protecting those goalies. Go to the blue line where I, uh, you know, I had to try to make savings here, and so uh, I can't say that I'm super excited about my defenseman prospect tonight. But I went for upside. Uh, Rasmus Ristolainen coming in at only 3,600 draws a Toronto team that's not impervious to giving up goals. Uh, he's at home. Uh, you know, it hasn't exactly been the fun ride for Ristolainen lately that it was early on in the year, but he's still a talented player. He takes a, a good number of shots on goal, which is helpful in in, uh, in FanDuel. And uh, like I said, I got to save money somewhere. And the other guy uh, comes in, uh, I think, very cheaply considering what he's been able to do this year, and that's TJ Brody. This guy's sitting on 44 points, uh, and he scored goals in consecutive games. Only 4,300 uh, on your FanDuel slate tonight. Uh, coming into, you know, it's it's a dangerous matchup. They're they're going into Los Angeles to face the Kings, but uh, the, you know, uh, you're, like again, we're 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 making savings, we're making sacrifices, and uh, due to some technical difficulties, we're not rolling out uh, Garrett Sparks on on defense tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that would fly in Toronto either. Uh, I'll counter on defense with one, another cheap guy. I, I teased him before. That's Trevor Daly with the Penguins. I looked at a lot of these matchups, and not particularly this one, but there are a whole bunch of other ones on the board, Andrew, where I think there's a mismatch that heavily favors the home team. So you'll find that most of my guys are playing in front of their hometown fans tonight, both my defenseman picks are as well. Trevor Daly, seven points in his last two weeks. I've talked about the spike and the opportunity that he's had with the power play minutes and top four uh, on the regular shift and finally looking like that guy who has the offensive pedigree that we talked about a few times earlier this season. I think he's a good value play at 4300 bucks. and Nashville's goaltending has been rather inconsistent this year, and uh, I'm counting on that continue against a Pittsburgh team that's hiring on all cylinders. Then I looked at one of the mismatches on the board is uh, Arizona going into Dallas, and uh, John Klingberg is lying, lying in wait there. This is a guy who is the quarterback on their power play, he gets top four, uh, top pairing minutes on that unit and on a regular shift, playing with a lot of dynamic forwards among their top two scoring lines. I think he's coming in cheap at 5,600 bucks. It's a, it's a couple of nice plays you got there. I, I was able to spend a little bit of money at center, uh, and I went with my homer pick of Derek Broussard. Uh, just held off the score sheet uh, the other day, but that was after a, uh, a nice little stretch uh, in which he picked up uh, was it five points in uh, four games? Uh, Rangers top line center has really been the guy driving their offense all year long, and uh, like him to get into the point column tonight against a Carolina team that's known for giving up goals. And for the other one, I went with one Jason Spezza. Gotta love that. Uh, I did. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's it. That's all I'm going to say. Jason Spezza is facing okay. the Coyotes, and uh, I like it. I'm good no, with it, I, and I'm I in favor of it. I like it, too, and I agreed with that pick. Uh, you know that we don't rehearse these before we go on the air. so it's And you can tell. <laughs> that we did agree on that pick, and uh, this guy is a guy who's been filling the net. And, again, it's one of those soft-looking matchups on the board. I think he has a chance to run up a couple of goals even against a, a rather suspect Arizona blue line, even though Mike Smith's playing well since his return. I'm not sure if he's going to start tonight. We haven't got that information at my end yet, Andrew. But uh, the other center that I have is Nazem Kadri playing in Buffalo, the Maple Leafs' personal house of horrors 
in franchise history I'm talking about. Uh, this this team doesn't play well in Buffalo, but Kadri's been on a bit of a roll lately, kind of boomer bust, as you hinted earlier, but the shots are, are what I'm looking at. This guy is, is able to pour shots on goal at a pretty high rate more often than not, and uh, if he has a big offensive night, you could be in for a nice flurry of points from, from Nazem Kadri, who's playing free and easy, and uh, the Leafs are, are one of the better teams that's not in the playoff race right now, and to my chagrin, they're going to blow that last pick overall. I know it. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so let's move over to the, the rightward wing, or the, the starboard wing, as, as we've taken to calling it. Uh, <laughs> and tonight I've got, uh, I've got that, that Yaramir Yager. I love to roll out the old man, $6,000, facing one of his old teams, the, the Devils, at home in Florida. Uh, always full value for Yager uh, in these revenge games. He seems to always elevate his game uh, against the teams that he's worn the sweater of in the past. And on the other one, well, it's a familiar name for our listeners, and that's Tyler DeFoley. <laughs> Once again, back to the well with DeFoley. Uh, five points in his last two games. Uh, streaking right now. Uh, one goal away from hitting 30 for the first time in his career. And if there's any team you're going to do it against, it's the Flames on the road. Andrew, this is the first time we've had as many as three players in common. we still got two, le- two left to go. I agree with both your right-wing picks. Oh, yeah. And uh, Yager, to me, uh, has discovered the fountain of youth. He's chasing some career heavyweights now as he moves up the all-time ladders. And he's got a chance to play in some significant games as we close out the season. So you can bet he's going to get those primo scoring opportunities with the power play and top six minutes that he's had all year long. But now the stakes are highest, and that's when this guy plays his best. And Toffoli is one of the new emerging young guns in the NHL, and uh, L.A. is in a in a tight race for the all the marbles in the Pacific Division, and they're they're going to need to want to blow past Calgary in a in a key game for them uh, to keep pace with their peers in in the Pacific. So I look for him to have a big night as well. That's uh, well, we're we're right together on that. Now I'm afraid to see what happens on the left wing, where I've got two guys on the same team, uh, two left wings, two Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay. Carl Hagelin and Chris Kunitz, uh, okay. both coming in at 6,100. Both uh, putting up nice points lately. Kunitz playing with Sidney Crosby. Uh, everyone enjoys that, although it's been a couple of games out of the point column for him. I think he's going to get right back in there tonight. Uh, and Hagelin has been uh, stunningly active uh, and really an entirely new player since coming to Pittsburgh. And he's done something that he really never did uh, in his career with the Rangers or with the Ducks uh, earlier this year. And that's, he's, he's putting pucks on goal extremely consistently. He's taken at least three shots on goal in uh, six of the last seven games. And uh, always a nice little asset gives him a nice floor to work with, and uh, the points have been flowing as well. Well, and another guy that's kind of cooled off a little bit after a torrid streak for me, is playing on the left wing with Joe Thornton and Joe Pavelski, and that's Thomas Hurdle. He retains that first-line role, and I think he's got a chance to pad his stats tonight in, a, in another pretty soft matchup against the Vancouver team that's just looking dreadful uh, of late. They, they're very suspect on, on the defensive side of the puck, too, most recently, and uh, they're headed to the basement of the league with a bullet <laughs> in the last little while. They, they had an eight-game losing streak 
most recently, and uh, I expect it to be extended tonight. And hurdles can be a big part of it. I think going the other way for fifty-six hundred dollars, I think that's tremendous value. Then I spent a little more money on Milan Lucic, who uh, is running wild uh, physically in the last little while. I'll talk about that a little bit more in my rant of the day at the end of the show. But uh, Lucic is uh, a guy that comes to the fore in the late part of the season and is always a guy that you'll notice when the chips are down. And uh, they are for the Kings uh, again in that battle for uh, division supremacy and uh, a softer first round matchup. Yeah, I, I'm making some changes. I've decided to make some changes. I've decided to agree with you on Dubnik. I've put Dubnik in, uh, and I've changed out one of my defensemen. Who are you putting I've, in? I've put in Ryan Suter, uh, so I'm getting uh, two pieces of that Minnesota-Ottawa matchup. Uh, I like Suter's price at 4700 uh, He hasn't taken a shot on goal in the last three games, which I think is crazy and, and really not something that you expect from him facing an Ottawa team tonight that, especially on the road, gives up a ton of shots on goal. So I think you get a nice floor there, and uh, yeah, I'm going with Ryan Suter in there. Well, I like I like both additions for you, and uh, wish you luck in that. I wish all our listeners luck, and if they take particularly if they take our advice, we do take commissions. We do, yes, and beers. <laughs> Let's swing over to some injury news, Andrew. Uh, late this season, uh, and in the last week particularly, there's been some big names that have either fallen by the wayside or are about to find their way back into the into the regular uh, rosters. So let's begin off the top in Anaheim, where David Perron, who was enjoying a bit of a, a spike uh, in his scoring totals and finding a home on the top six uh, forward situation in Anaheim, is lost to the team he's listed week to week. That's a big loss, I think, in, in the Ducks' uh, forward ranks. Yeah, uh, we mentioned Perron last season, or last week, rather, uh, not last season, as a, a guy who, well, we were waiting for it, weren't we? We're just waiting for this to happen, and uh, and here it is. Uh, he you know goes down with the injury. It's always one thing or another with this guy. It seems like, and uh, you know at, at this point, if you're a fantasy owner, you might as well, if it's not a keeper league, just cut bait and uh, get someone else who's going to contribute in your lineup down the stretch here. Yeah, and you might do. You look at the replacement on the roster there. That's the first place you look to see who's replacing him. And uh, we already touched on on. Uh, Jamie McGinn in that situation, but Brandon Peary is a guy who, who had kind of the Cy Young uh, line score last year. He's kind of more balanced and still in the top six mix, and he's going to get a look alongside Getzlaff and, and uh, Chris Stewart in that uh, situation going forward to close out this season. Yeah, Peary's a guy that I absolutely loved as a prospect in Chicago, a guy who was a point-per-game guy in the AHL with them. Uh, never really got the chance. Uh, it seemed like Joel Quenneville just never really liked his game. Uh, ended up getting moved to Florida, where you know he he scored the 22 goals with <laughs> two assists last season. <laughs> but uh, uh, again, kind of uh, couldn't break into that that premier role, uh, and that was the case again this season until uh, while he was on IR, they traded him out to Anaheim. Now he's playing with Corey Perry. Gotta love the Perry Perry combination. That's uh, tongue, <laughs> oh. t- tongue twister for announcers everywhere. That's right. And uh, three <laughs> goals and two assists in the last four games. Full value from him right now, even though the minutes are still kind of, uh, you know, in that 13, 14 range. Then in a bit of a downer bit of news, Shane Doan, the cat, longtime captain in Arizona, 
is out of the uh, the Coyotes lineup maybe for the rest of the season. There, we have a day-to-day note on him, but it looks like he's dealing with post-concussion syndrome symptoms. And uh, they're saying that he could play tonight. So there's a chance you can get Shane Dunn back in your lineups tonight. We'll see, but uh, I'd put a big question mark on that circumstance, and I hope for his sake. I don't want to see a guy who's had that kind of career ended on the DL, so that's good news if he's coming back. Absolutely, and, uh, you know, it has been a really nice uh, bounce-back season for Dunn, a guy who, uh, let's be honest, on draft day we mostly avoided him. We're like, this guy is washed up, and uh, he's come out, and he's proven us wrong. He scored 26 goals this year. Uh, I would still sit at the draft table next year if, if he continues on and say that he's washed up again. But uh, he's, he's certainly shown us something. And uh, a couple of players, uh, three players on Buffalo's team who uh, are factor into, two of them certainly factor into the long-range plans in Buffalo, but they're three. these three guys have all been shut down. Evander Kane, Tyler Ennis, two of their uh, top nine forwards for sure. Kane probably one of the projected as one of the team leaders going forward into next year. And Robin Leonard in goal all have been shut down for the Sabres. They still have enough uh, left to take the Leafs uh, to task tonight, in my opinion. But uh, for goalie picks, you're going to have to look deeper into the Buffalo roster, and you might get a chance to see Chad Johnson run with the ball the rest of the way. It might be an interesting pick there. Yeah, it's uh, too bad for the the Sabres uh, as they go down the stretch here, although maybe it's not uh, helped them lose a few extra games uh, just to, to get a few more balls in that lottery. Uh, but but Kane was clipping along nicely. He had a stretch of nine points in ten games. Uh, before this injury, so that's tough. Uh, Leonard is especially tough, but this has just been a lost season for him. Well, let's jump down uh, to see what what uh, the news on Corey Crawford, Andrew. Chicago is telling us that he has an upper body hurt, still not skating. We saw this late last season. Scott Darling got a chance to play and excelled early on in the playoffs. I think we might be headed for the same scenario. What are you hearing? Yeah, Crawford is uh, in a very uncertain situation. Uh, we really don't know what's going on there. But the the Darling emergence hasn't exactly gone as planned. He's been very inconsistent, uh, turning in some really great games and then a, a number of, you know, kind of uh, mediocre to clunkery games. So <laughs> I like for, that clunkery. Term. Clunkery, <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's one I just made up. Uh, you can use it, but uh, just give me credit. I, I will. I, I think I already did. Um what about in Colorado? There's a little bit of a nebulous situation around two of their offensive linchpins who've been out with knee injuries. Nate McKinnon and Matt Duchesne have not played for a little while, and, and Colorado needs these guys in a desperate way to try and uh, bolster a lineup. But they may not be back in time to help this club. Yeah, I think at this point it, it might be too late. Only five games to go. They're five points behind the Minnesota Wild, and it doesn't seem likely that they're going to catch them up, especially with the Wild on a heater and uh, McKinnon and Duchesne out of the lineup is it was really tough to overcome. So uh, at this point, uh, it's possible that if you're if you're the Avalanche, you have to say oh, let's shut it down. I I think uh, they might be facing that decision. Uh, too bad because they've made a really nice run at the playoffs, and it'd be a shame to see them fall short because of the injury situation. But hey, that's hockey, man. Yeah. Uh, and on the other side of that coin, we got Carey Price news in Montreal. Andrew, I went nuts last week when I heard that they were they were entertaining the possibility of letting this guy play again. I don't know why, but he's come out now and said he really wants to get in a couple of the remaining games just for his own peace of mind. And that's kind of changed my view. If the guy really thinks that he needs it, maybe the the team has to listen to their franchise player and say, look, for his peace of mind, let's throw him in there and just remove any doubt that he may have. But I think it's a really risky, risky play. Uh, I mean, 
it, it's risky if he if he, you know suffers a major injury, but I think that you can usually usually you go in and you say, well, our guy probably isn't going to suffer an injury that's going to knock him out for six months. Uh, you know, playing goalie could, <laughs> and it would make them look pretty bad if he did. But yeah, it sounds like they're going to get both Price and uh, PK Subban back down the stretch here. Price tonight, it seems. Subban uh, maybe this weekend. All right, Andrew, you and I do this hockey this hockey podcast. We've done it all year long. But there's a lot of other RotoWire news that uh, I'd like you to pass along to our listeners. That's right. Our intrepid listeners can go and check out rotowire.com/pod. Another way to get yourself a free tour of the RotoWire website. As I drop my computer charger, <laughs> can uh, go to rotowire.com, check out our fantasy advice, our analysis, custom auction values, and uh, rankings for your baseball leagues coming up. Uh, baseball season just about to get started. Basketball season coming to a close. We should have some great hockey playoff coverage on RotoWire. And of course, you can listen to our other podcasting fellows, slash pod. Well, it's that time of the week again and the time of the show where we highlight the stud of the week and the rant of the week, Andrew. And for the stud of the week, I looked at a guy who is uh, doing all that he can to drag his team into the playoffs, and that's Zach Parise over in Minnesota. Look at what this guy's done in the past week. Five goals, two assists. He was the player of the week, the first star named by the National Hockey League. Full value for that pick. And and I love highlighting players like this. All year long, you've heard me say, oh, I, Paul likes them big, likes them strong, likes the big power forward. I got plenty of room in my lineup. I love when I hear you say, oh, Paul likes them big. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was trying to put it in a third person. But anyway, uh, I'll, li- I'll live with what I said. And... Uh, Parise, though, doesn't uh, measure up to the six-foot mark, and he still is a guy that I really like because he plays the game like he's six-foot-four, 220 pounds. He goes into the dirty areas, and that's why he's one of the top scorers in Minnesota's roster year after year and definitely uh, one of their key team leaders and a guy, like I said, who's doing it when it matters the most. The chips are on the line, and he's answered with with a wonderful performance and has earned my uh, nod as the stud of the week. Well, while we're if we're going to talk about guys who are you know little and scoring, you're not going to get by in this talking about five foot eleven Zach Parise without me bringing up five foot seven, five foot seven Norwegian Hobbit wizard Matt Zuccarello. <laughs> More who's Ranger news. Outscoring uh, Zach Parise handily, and uh, I think it's just one of the the most creative playmakers in the entire league. And, and that's really the point of, of this particular stud of the week note. It's a nod to the smaller players that kind of goes counter what I, to what I've been touting all year long. There's room for these guys more and more because the, the name of the game has changed. It's no longer the, uh, the era where you have to fear for your life if you were going into a place like Philadelphia to play the, the, the Broad Street Bullies or teams like that. Though, uh, so, so that's why I wanted to highlight Parise, and your point with Zuccarello is, ju- Zuccarello is just as well made. So good for the, the smaller guys, and I'm happy to see it. Absolutely. Give us the rant. Now the rant. Okay, well, uh, I saw something that really ticked me off last week. On Saturday night, Milan Lucic in front of the net, and he took out Edmonton goalie Laurent Brossois by clipping him. It was like one of those slew foot deals, if you could picture it. And the kid lost his balance in goal, and then two seconds later, the puck was shot in over his 
prone body on the ice. And, and it, it went to review, Andrew, and I thought, oh, this is going to be an easy one. They're going to they're say no goal. They called it a goal. Now, to me, shocking, because I thought, first of all, the crease area belonged to the goalie. And, and it should, in my opinion. That's why they paint the ice blue. It's designated that way. It didn't work out that way in this instance, just as in many, many others uh, that I've seen all year long. We got to give goalies their space. We're already talking about reducing their equipment, but let's let's still protect these guys. I mean, I'm not talking put a skirt around them, their waist or anything like that. But the Lucic play last week, where he clipped the goalie, took him right out of the play, and then a goal was scored and it counted. That left me with a very sour taste in my mouth. And and the league really needs to take a look at these situations uh, over the summer and make sure they get it right. I know they want to get more goals scored, but this is not the way that they should count. You can't knock a goalie off the off his skates and then see a puck go in and have the goal count, in my opinion. I agree with you, and I think the, the NHL has really gone soft on that kind of thing uh, recently. Uh, this year in particular, I've noticed a lot of those kinds of plays where that's gone down. Uh, you know, you, unless you see contact in the goal mouth and then uh, the goal still ends up counting. I, I don't think that that's, that should be the way that it goes, and uh, I especially don't think that that should be the way that it goes. If they're telling the goalies next year you got to wear less gear, you got to be less padded, but we're going to let them run right into you, though. <laughs> That's right. There's there's a red flag there somewhere for me, and uh, they better get it right over this uh, this long summer. But Andrew, that's a wrap for another episode of the Great Ones Rotowire's Fantasy Hockey Podcast. For Andrew Fiorentino, I'm Paul Bruno. Thanking you for giving us a listen and inviting you to come back to catch the next episode of our show a week from now. So long, everybody. 